Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Weekend Review edition of Celtic Down Under, hosted by myself, Sean. Joined by Paul and Anthony again from West Australia this week. Uh, how are you going, guys? Do you want to... Is, is, your, is your current mood reflected by things Celtic or anything else going on? Paul? Uh, well, I had a pretty good weekend up until last night. And uh, then... <laughs> I think we all know the wheels came off at, at that point. So, um, and then Mondays are Mondays, aren't they? So Mondays are always uh, not your favourite day of the week, and especially not after a performance and result like that. So, uh, yeah, mood has definitely been uh, managed by what went on yesterday. Anthony? Yeah, much the same. Um, obviously, Spain beating England in the Women's World Cup final. So that was like a wee yes moment. And I think, all right. No for, Celtic to, no, for Celtic to do the business. And uh, unfortunately, they're the ones that burst the crouping this week. So, um, so yeah, it's not a bit of a, a slow, ponderous day at work, but that kind of echoes what I saw on the park last night. I did enjoy that uh, picture of the Spain player giving the, the English player the finger. I mean, not Not literally, but like raising her middle finger. No, nothing, nothing, nothing in the changing rooms or anything like that. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was going to say that's near the knuckle, but that's probably uh, <laughs> in bad taste as well. Yeah, yeah, both, both terrible jokes. Uh, okay, so uh, in, just before we get into this kind of post mortem, anything else worth mentioning? Ange beat Man United. Cool. Uh, it's good to see our ex doing well uh, with her new boyfriend. Uh, anything else? Oh, Australia, unfortunately, end up finishing fourth. Um, so they got beat by Sweden, who sort of, I think, quite comfortably took care of Australia in the end. Um, I think the Matildas looked a bit tired. Um, I think usually that third versus fourth playoff, you usually see a bit of squad rotation, but uh, Tony Gustafsson sort of picked this, the same team again. Um, so I was a bit surprised by that. So I think the Matildas going forward, they're going to have to look at their depth of squad if they're going to progress deeper into tournaments. The Olympics obviously coming up next year. So um, that's definitely something I think they're going to have to have a look at because you can't go to the same 12, 13 players hoping to get through a tournament, I don't think. But that's not to dismiss or take away from the fact that they had a wonderful tournament and finishing fourth is a tremendous achievement and has raised the profile of football and women's sport in this country a hundredfold easily. Um, so, you know, it's been great, but um, with the critical hat on, there's definitely some room for improvement as well if they want to take the next step. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been, you know, talking about women's football for the last couple of weeks now, so it's been been fantastic. So um, hopefully that, like I say, leads to bigger and better things in the coming, you know, next five, ten years. Yep, and hopefully it's a proof of concept that we can maybe get the, the Men's World Cup out here too, but we'll see. Um, stuff like the problem with uh, Dockers and Eagles playing is we won't get up to stadium for Perth and all that sort of thing. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's what it is. We've got Rugby World Cup coming up in a few years. That'll be interesting as well. Let's get down to business. Uh the fun part. Paul, what happened at Rugby Park on Sunday night for us, afternoon in Scotland? Where'd you start? Um, we never, really. I don't think we did start. We um, It was... Oh, let's, oh, let's talk about the lineup. Um, I think given the players we were had missing from players that have left the club, players that are injured, um, it was probably roughly how I expected to see the lineup. Um, it was a toss-up between home or Turnbull again or Iwata in midfield alongside Kalmakin and O'Reilly. But really, that and maybe Burnaby, does he get a game ahead of Taylor? They're, to me, they're the only sort of positions that were up for debate after what happened to, you know, Stephen Welsh signs a four-year extension and then the very next day in training is out for two months. Uh, you couldn't write it. Um and and so, so look from a, from a from a selection point of view, I didn't have too many criticisms, but you knew going there, it was going to be a difficult game. You know, when you got players missing, that's going to make it harder. My biggest grievance was we didn't look up for it. They wanted it more than us, and and that, that if because 
what, what do we all say? You know, if you, you go win your battles first and then you get the right to play football, we've got more talented players. The, that that team we put out are better footballers than Kilmarnock have got like for like, but they wanted it more. They were well-structured. McInnes had them well set up and they executed a plan. And we were, we were kind of too. We 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 ran out of ideas, and I don't. I'm not sure how many we had at the beginning, but we we completely ran out of ideas. Weirdly enough, first half uh, we started slowly again. They had a couple of chances, but we we probably we didn't carve out a lot, but we carved out two or three chances. And if we take one of them, you probably do go in and win the game. But we didn't. And the longer it went on, the less likely I thought we were going to get anything. And then we're scrambling around hoping for a decision off a ref that we're never going to get a decision off at the end and you know we'll cover that in a bit but when when you desperate stuff if that's what you're hoping for to, to try and stay alive in a, in a cup tie so we can pull pick through the bones a bit but not a lot yeah in, in regards to the wanted it more thing um i get what you're saying but i never really give that much as much credit as other people do uh like i feel the, the whole wanted more thing is maybe like five maybe have about five percent bearing on the actual outcome of a game right there's just so many uh other things that are more important i think i think pitch, we're well, i think we're second to well it's the same pitch for both teams right we yeah, want to pass it more than they play, do one team's uh, used to it and one team doesn't want well, to play football one team doesn't have the ball uh, their manager said post-match well uh, we're celtic our possession-based team where we did all our work out of possession so they they don't care what the ball does in the pitch they're, they're actively saying aloud we are uh, our football we're playing the game out of possession that's what they're but you've, their but game you've got to win is. your individual battles and we weren't we were second to pretty much everything we said and when yeah, we did that's... have it we didn't we did when we did have it we didn't do anything with it right we i'm not saying we, it doesn't have an effect i'm just saying i think people overweight it is what i'm saying possibly but like at the end of the day if, if like there's tight there's multiple times where it's 60 40 in our favor or 50 50 and we don't win it we don't win it. The other player wins it. Why? Why? Because he's, there's more desire, there's more energy, there's more intensity. And there was a lot of that yesterday. And then we were pretty aimless when we did have the ball. But like second half, we were reduced to pumping in crosses from deep that were, you know, they've got a big massive defence just and we've got little guys up there. But it's just daft. Like, move them around, try and get in behind, use the ball quicker. You know, players making better runs. It was pedestrian. It was it it was it was actually boring. <laughs> it, it, I was actually getting bored. It was late <laughs> night here. It was midnight when we finished, and I nearly nodded off. If it wasn't for the fact it was kind of tense, I probably would have. It was really dire stuff. Yeah, Anthony. Well, to start off with, I actually had a really hard time actually physically watching it because the glare of that plastic monstrosity. What the hell? And the two pictures. Then you had then you had the hoops versus that they're white and blue. So, all right, they're different colors, shorts and socks. Okay, but the fact that Comanix's tops are white at the back, I had a really Mm -hmm. hard time Mm -hmm. zeroing in on who was who and who was going for the ball and. to be honest, that was it took me about ten minutes. So even then, I was like, "That was a that was a hard thing to." So I was like, "Why we didn't wear the black strip? You know, we're the away team. Why we didn't wear an away kit? I do not know." But for me, I was having a hard time doing watching it. So God knows the players on the park. But that's that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is, uh, I just had a hard issue just with the fact that I felt we didn't really have a strategy or a game plan or a you know our tactics just didn't seem to exist. You know, Kamarik set a stall out early, man marking, a lot of energy, harassing, as you said, Sean, working off the ball. And usually what happens is teams like that blow a gasket somewhere in within 90 minutes. They can't keep that up for 90 minutes. And unfortunately, they score their goal probably round about the time that they start blowing a gasket. And that just gives them that extra 10% just to dig, dig in a bit more with something to hold on to. And unfortunately, you know, the right was on the wall probably before that anyway, in my mind. But the thing for me is, and this is a criticism of Rogers' teams in years gone by, and when Celtic were, you know, that third season with Rogers where things weren't going great, the hallmark for me is when the two centre-halves are just playing square passes side to side, and there's absolutely no movement in front of them, so it's not a criticism of them per se. But when I see that, I think we're in trouble. 
we don't have, you know, if Cal Max getting marked, marked out the game and he's not given that easy option in the middle there, and your two fullbacks are not having great games, Greg Taylor again, you know, we we're saying last week it was two points in a, on a, a graph. It's now three points, so it starts becoming a pattern. Um, I, I just look at that and go, oh no, we're 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 not up for this. We're we're in trouble here. And Lager Belka, fair play to the guy. I don't have mispronounced his name there, but fair play to the guy. He's just has to come in out the, you know, first game. He's probably had maybe what one training session, maybe two training sessions with the team. He's defended all right, but he's trying to play these long balls over the top. As Paul says, we're quite a small team, Kamak, quite a big team, so that was never going to work. They're hard. They're hard passes to play. He couldn't really do it. And the thing for me was he was really struggling to hit the ten yard pass to feet. The number of times he sprayed it wide to Kyogo and and poor Kyogo, he's coming deeper and deeper and deeper just to try and get involved in the game. So that th- that for me, when you've got your two centre halves having to start the attack, that's a problem. Particularly when one is just first, it's his first game, and the other guy and Narosti, how I don't think he had a bad game either. He was all right, but again, they're still finding their feet, and for some reason, they're the ones that are trying to start a play, and it's. That, that, to me, just has alarm bells written all over it. And then, like I said, it was all huff and puff at the end when they score and there's a bit of urgency and the subs come on. And and that's probably my last point of criticism is that we didn't have a recognised striker on the bench to to bring someone on and maybe change the game or go two up top. And I felt Maeda, we could have replaced him at any point in that game and we had no one to replace him with. So there's depth of squad issues there as well. I know we're to injuries and we'll touch on that, but for me... There's just multiple facets there to that performance. So it's not any one thing, but you just layer upon layer upon layer. It led to led to that. And um yeah, it was it was it was, it was a turgid watch. I mean, it was it was it was bad. I mean, that's probably one of the worst Celtic forms I've seen in in years. Um, so you know, all right, it's on the plastic park, and yeah, that slows the, the passage of play down, but there was just a, that lack of urgency in general. Whether the ball's zipping around or not, you can still appear to be busier than what we appeared to be. And there was just too many passengers and too many players not willing to take a bit of responsibility and 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 try to make a mark on the game for me. Yeah. Yeah, the pitch was... The, when they did the Viaplay interview with Rodgers after the match, they went... Uh, the question was, what makes it difficult? Why what, what is a it difficult, difficult about coming down to... Yeah, difficult place to visit and it like didn't even like the guy hadn't even finished his questions pitch the pitch do you know I mean like hadn't he, the guy didn't even get a beat before he answered the question say the pitch and then like then maybe a couple he kind of realizes how quickly and how vociferously he's answered and he goes uh, and he kind of backtracks a little bit going oh but we should have dealt with it better da, da, da. but like it was part of the pain watching this was just every time we try to pass and the players are just slipping over everywhere so like you're talking about like Paul when you were saying earlier about winning 50-50s so like yeah win 50-50s that's important but then like is that more important than like you know you're you're one pass away from creating a chance in goal and you, your guy slips do you know what I mean like that, that to me that's a bigger impact on the game is the pitch than the 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 come on it being up for the battle i get it's all these things it's no one thing right there's like four five six things and our perform our poor performance was one of those things our injuries is another one of those things but and as yeah, it's, Andrew, a, perf- it's said, a perfect it's, storm right yeah it's a perfect storm like bunch of injuries not yet signings in new team new manager transitioning system shit pitch uh brand new players don't know each other and we're off it and they're on a bit of form yeah, like it, it, it. It's not to make excuses, but you know, any one or two of those things aren't in the pot, and we probably get we get away with it. Yeah, but it was just one. It was just one of those days. Now the concern is: is it? You know, Anthony's point is that some players are looking like a trend. For me, the lack of any kind of clear tactics and shape is is my biggest concern. Like, you, you know, any team can have a bad day at the office. Um, but Carl looks lost. And I can't try to work out what. I think part of it is he's not got enough support. People, he's been targeted for a start and he hasn't got enough support in there. So the fullbacks, I don't know what the fullbacks are doing. They're not overlapping. They're not really inverting. So he's he's isolated. 
He hasn't got the same angles he was getting last season. And his other two mates in midfield are too far away from him. He either needs the, the fullbacks to invert again, or he needs a double pivot in beside him. Um, the, the, full, the fullbacks are inverting. They're just not inverting. Eh, sorry, overlapping. They're just not overlapping God, well. And then their, cross, their crosses are like going nowhere. I don't right? think so, they're even over. Like, I don't think they're, they're getting up and down. I don't see them getting up and down. Like, our widest yeah. players are our wingers. Like, I don't see them doing Taylor and Ralston were hitting the byline. They just, the ball was going nowhere, right? Like, but we never really put. I don't feel we got to the byline enough. I I, I feel that was yeah, that, one of our biggest our, our, our biggest we, issues was that we, we weren't the, the two or th- the two or three times we got to the byline we looked dangerous like that bit of play in the first half when Mieda knocks it into O'Reilly O'Reilly slides home in and his you know I'm but that's not, not sure. the byline that's the, they're they're channel that's a channel pass and it's the same where Haxibanovich goes in the there byline. twice. Yeah, but I mean, it's different from going round there as a fullback as it is from going through that channel. You, but you're right, though. That's the the channel where we we get our success, and we just couldn't do it yesterday, right? Because what the chance early in the game where home squares it for Kyogo, who's just like a that's yard what behind I'm talking it. About. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm talking about. in the first half, and that's the channel. And then even in the second half, uh, we had Haxibanovich got in there a couple of times when he came on, and Maeda. That, that's not Maeda's game. He doesn't get in that channel, right? It's like well, yeah, but we didn't see. So, I guess what I'm saying is we didn't see the fullbacks in there for it. Like you know, get get into the byline or either inside or outside. Like I think Rousing maybe got one or two, maybe, but I don't remember uh, Greg Taylor really getting forward much. It, it was more wrong, but it was more after the subs. Uh, it wasn't yeah. really before that. Yeah, it was more but, after but, the subs. And they decided just to defend their box by that point. Like they were to to Andre's point, they were probably starting to feel it by then. And they've got the lead and they've got something to hang on to. So they were they were quite happy to drop quite deep and just defend the box, defend their final third. And we mm-hmm. again we didn't have enough. Like we're th- you look at the bench, that's when I like obviously we're we're stretched, right? But you look at the bench and you go, There's nobody there that I've got any expectation can turn the match in our favour. Like literally <laughs> you're expect you're you're looking you're either looking for DT to hit a worldly, worldy from somewhere and or the Haxabanich is going to try and get you a penalty, which is exactly what he tried to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about the, like, okay, Yang, Yang looked lively. Like, he was one of the few that probably got pass marks in the day. Um, and nearly got his goal. Obviously, there was a, a slight deflection on that one out for a corner. But he looked he looked like he was, you know, he might he might bring a spark, but really he was he was one of the the very few. Um, and on that performance, you'd be making an argument for, you know he'd be putting his hand up for a start in the next game. Yeah, you could say the same about, well, that was why Holm got his start because he came, he did well when he came on last week. Hmm. And you could say the same for Haxibanovic, but how many times have we seen this story with Haxibanovic where he looks good off the bench and then stinking the next game he starts? I didn't even think he looked that good off the bench to be honest. Well, that's why I want to, I want to sort of touch back on Holm getting selected and, and um, yeah, go for it. And, and McGregor, but, I think McGregor needs some help in there. I think that's the issue. And I think last season he had a tatty beside him who's a you know, he's a workhorse and he gets up and down and all around and, and puts a lot of a lot of running in. And I don't think you get that from a David Turnbull. Um and then obviously uh home was preferred to Awata. So Awata obviously played right back during the, the preseason and hasn't featured in any of the games as far as I'm aware. I can't remember him coming off the bench for any no. any 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 appearances yet. So he's obviously not fancied as another central midfielder, but I kind of think that if we're if we are struggling, if this is if this is going to become a thing, then you know maybe you go back to someone who can pass the ball, someone who's strong, um, you know, have a bit of extra presence in there to give you that double pivot, so that you're taking a bit of pressure off Callum McGregor. You're giving the centre halves another option to hit because the one thing Awata does is he keeps the ball pretty well maybe offensively not going forward quite as much, but possession, and that's that's the that isn't that the sort of emblem of a, a Rogers team is keeping possession and retaining possession and, and winning the ball back. So obviously they went with home. I don't think he was bad. I think the thing he was guilty of the most was wanting too much time on the ball. Every time he got the ball, I think he always wanted an extra touch or he took an extra touch and just he was never going to get it on that park. He was never going to get it with the Kilmarnock players around and putting him under a lot of pressure. And that was probably just a you know a bit of an eye opener for him to sort of say, oh, "This is what life's like in, in Scotland." Because 
that were just breathing down his neck. And that was the one time where he broke forward and it was a good move. And he just, all he had to do was just put Kyogo through and he just took another couple of touches and it all broke down. And that for me was, was probably the biggest criticism of his game. Um, he went missing for about 20 minutes in the first half as well. Um, just, you know, Greg Taylor, just that left side, there was just no real option. It was either down the line to Maeda or it was out the park, basically. And that was, or, or turn around, pass it back to the centre half, fart about with it for a couple of minutes. And then, you know, just this turgid, slow, ponderous build up, which, like I said, usually ends up going nowhere or resulted in this hopeful long ball, which, you know, we're not, we're not known for. And, isn't really going to work um so yes yeah, so i think that was you know i think you know maybe awata needs to come back into the reckoning but you know obviously brendan rogers has seen something that's trained that's keeping him out um but yeah i i think if if we've got op, you know out of the options we've got i think o'reilly at the, the top of the spear or the the number 10 makes sense but i think cow needs a bit, a bit of bit of backup in there um, and hopefully he can turn his form around a little bit because, like I said, he's not exactly started the season at his usual level. Um, he always sets a very high standard, but he's been a little bit below par so far in the, the season so far. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's home, I think, after the thing he posted on Instagram last week, you know, they'll sit down, be humble. I'd, I'd say that's come back to bite him quite strongly. Uh, he just couldn't stand up to a team of men, essentially, right? When you look at those commander players on the pitch and coming off the bench, they're all just absolutely, they've been in the gym, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the Monsters versus uh, Space Jam, looking at the kind of physicality. It's got me worried for Ibrooks in a sense, because we looked physically, as you kind of almost touched, you touched on earlier, we were talking about Paul being up for the battle, but we we're also just physically outmatched as well. And a, and a lot of that comes down to the referee just kind of allowing it to happen. Like, uh, what's his name? Armstrong, who's a brilliant player, uh, one of the best players outside of Celtic and Rangers. Uh, and he just, uh, like, elbows Greg Taylor on the head, nothing, right? He barges Joe Hart off the ball, nothing. Like the amount of, do you mean the amount of fouls that guy committed and he didn't get a yellow card at all in the game? Whereas Anthony Ralston gets a yellow card for a fair challenge that, like, didn't hit the guy at all like it was just yeah, a normal 50 jump for a header and jump for a header yeah. and his shoulder his shoulder bounced off him and he got both for it and yeah you're right like i've got no i well i thought var was there to pick up serious foul play i can't understand how an elbow to the head that draws blood isn't considered a serious foul play and to, add insult, and to add insult to injury he's the one that's off the pitch when the ball comes mm -hmm. down his channel and we're one man short. That said, and we will might as well get into the goal because you know there only was one. So it is there is insult to injury because it comes down it's initially come well actually initially comes down Ralston's side first, but even earlier than that, it comes from our own throw in. And this is one of the things that's worried me in the first few games, or worried is probably a stretch, but we don't look great from set pieces and corners and free kicks. We were we you know we go up and down on that, but we've never really scored a lot of goals from those free, you know from those positions but now we can't even get retain possession off throw-ins like mm -hmm. aimless throw-in goes up and it becomes a 50-50 it breaks again they're first to it they put Marley Watkins in the channel and he's away Ralston looks like he's treading water he's right in the channel then the ball sort of recycled across so it makes all its way all the way across the box past three or four players Gets picked up by Armstrong on the other side. Taylor's not there. So uh, Maeda's trying to to shepherd him. He doesn't do a good enough job and there's not enough pressure on the ball. And what is a pretty routine square ball across the ball? Like we took the piss out of Rangers the other week because of how badly they defended the goal that they lost against Kilmarnock. This is not much better. It comes, it just, it's not even moving very quickly. It just goes past everyone. No defender takes any responsibility. Ralston's ball watching and lets. And let's um, Marley Watkins run off him, and the two centre backs who I don't hold a lot of blame for how I thought they played okay, considering they met each other the day before. But neither of them takes any responsibility there. And I know that yeah, you ball coming across your box like that, you're concerned about you know potentially knocking it into your own net. 
but you've got to decide to do something. You can't just hope, like leave it and hope for the best. Um, and it's a pretty straightforward, and Hart's completely exposed and he's got no chance and it's a pretty straightforward finish. Um, uh, we can talk about VAR and offside. I have no idea what oh, bits let me, were being, <laughs> were Please allow me before... <laughs> let, let me get the touch on the throw-ins first. So I totally agree with you on the throw-ins, right? There was one in the first half uh, where they've been Ralston on the right. And he was standing there, standing there, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 seconds had gone. And in the camera shot, opposite side of the pitch, right, so it's the wide shot. And there's only one Celtic player in the camera shot that's an option. And there's three Kilmarnock players. I coach Sunday League. I'd be going nuts in my team if there's only one option for my throw-in. I, co- I literally coach them at least three options at every throw-in. Even if one of them's like back to the centre-back, you know. If one of my centre-backs is standing there and not being an option, for a, th- for a fullback with a throw-in, I go nuts at him. Like, be an option, be an option. He's pr- probably not going to give you, but at least be an option. And there was nothing in this camera shot and I was going nuts about it. But yeah, you're right. Throw-ins, it's an issue. Goal kicks was an issue last week. We seem to have done something about it, but it's not quite there yet. Hard to tell on that pitch. Uh, as for the goal, the VAR, it was, to me, I don't know how that's not given us offside. And let's just, when you look at the picture, there's only one line drawn on it. What is going on? Why is there only one line? The line is coming from, is it Navrovsky or was it um, Lagerbjerg? I don't know which one. It was, it was one of them. One of their, sh- yeah. one of their shoulders, I think. So, so yeah, the line is like, the line is skimming the edge of his shoulder, right? And that same line is going through the middle of Marley Watkins' head. And like, and it's all like whole shoulder, which you can score a goal with. You can score a goal with a shoulder. His whole shoulder and half of his head is past the line. And I'm like, is, is this the line for that? There's only one line. There's supposed to be two lines, first of all. So Marley Watkins is clearly beyond this line that they've drawn onto Navrosky's shoulder. And then there's no other line. And they're like, yeah, that's onside. Somebody want to explain that one to me? I don't get it. Like, this is somehow we've regressed our VAR and it's got worse. You just have to... I just assume that somebody can draw a line properly, but, you know, it looked very tight. And I think the, even the commentators initially were like, oh, that's a goal. And it's like, hang on a minute, that looked very, very close to being offside. Mm-hmm. And then then they backtracked and went, oh, this is a lot tighter than we realised. And it's like, no, no, no shit, Michael. Like, yeah, it was pretty pretty, pretty tight, mate. Like, you know. Um, oh, look, I... Yeah, Sean, I, I take your point, but like, you know, when I, another thing that annoys me is they, they, they flash it up on the screen for like a millisecond and then take it off again because they, they know it probably doesn't stand up to any real scrutiny. Yep. But it's like, oh, there's a line. Oh, right, right, moving on. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that's all done with now, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're afraid of a poor game. I mean, yeah, I think this is where Derek McInnes has probably played a blinder because all he's banged on about all week was. Oh, we never got that penalty last last year against Celtic and we were hard done by. And those little things just filter through. And I think the referees just been a wee bit sympathetic to come out's cause. I am not for a second saying that we didn't deserve to get beat yesterday because we played rubbish. Um, but you're right, you know, the challenges on Greg Taylor. I mean, that should at least have been reviewed to VAR like VAR should have look at it. Um, how the boy that shoved Joe Hart didn't get a booking for that because that wasn't even same guy. Same, same same guy. Same guy. Yeah, yeah, but like that was like wasn't even like a coming together. He deliberately no. ran up to him, Just like targeted him. And Joe, yeah. Hart, and Joe yeah. Hart's going like, "What? The, what are you doing?" You know. So for me, that and then I may as well touch on the penalty now. The the one we had Stepanovic. Now, the Women's World Cup. Australia got a pretty harsh penalty against them, where the Australian defender sort of caught the heel of the Swedish player and it was very, very fine margins penalty. And everyone in refereeing circles, oh, that's definitely a penalty. How is that any different with Haxtabanovich? He catches the back of his leg and there's contact. He's gone down, all right. But that, and then there was the arm. You look at the Rangers penalty that they got against Morton. Basically, it was like the lightest tug of the shirt you've ever seen in your life. Oh, that's a penalty. And that gets reviewed by VAR. And then this one with Haxtabanovich doesn't. So again, where's the consistency? I don't. If it's a if, if that is a penalty and the penalty that in the World Wins World Cup is a penalty, then that one for Banovic was a penalty as well. And I'm not saying we deserved it or you know, we'd have, even would have scored it, but you know, on the balance of fairness and everything, I think that should have been a, should have been a penalty. And then, but uh, the referee bottled it, and then VAR. I don't know what's but at that point VAR probably switched itself off and went, oh, we're not we're not reviewing anything anymore, but. 
Um, I don't want to really harp on about any more than that, but I just kind of feel that that was a couple of very questionable decisions, um, particularly, like you say, when we picked up some very soft yellow cars, they seemed to be getting away with getting away with murder. So it's the biggest, what you mentioned, Paul, earlier about, and I, sorry, I keep circling back to this, it's just circling in my head, like um, the thing about being up for the fight, right? So it's stuff like when Armstrong bumps into Hart and Hart kind of gives him a bit, but then just gets on with the game. If Hart squares up to him and grabs him by the shirt, what's going to happen? He's going to get booked or sent off. They both, but they both get booked. Yeah. Right? Whereas yeah, Armstrong yeah. gets away with it and can go and go and elbow Greg Taylor on the head. Right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so something, I, I don't know, maybe maybe there's something to that, right? Maybe the players should be eating those bookings to highlight so that the opposition get booked and can't keep doing what they're doing. Because you're right, like the Kamarnock players were on just rough house on the edge of yellow cards the whole game and getting away with it the Kilmarnock players were refereeing that game and there's one bit that illustrated it for me so there's uh marley watkins goes down injured it's one nil at the time i don't remember what minute it's in and uh he sees that yang is down injured on another in half so he gets up runs to the byline uh i don't know if he's looking for treatment or just to get water and then when yang gets back up marley watkins runs 10 yards onto the pitch goes down again after having got himself up and gone off the pitch, it comes back on, goes down. Referee gets him off the pitch, cool. By the time Celtic take the throw in, Marley Watkins has just ran back onto the pitch without anyone telling him he can come on. Ref- you can watch this back and check it. Marley Watkins on the pitch, three, four seconds. Referee turns around, sees him, sees that he's come on the pitch, and then gives the signal for him to come on after he's seen Marley Watkins is on the pitch. That Alan Muir was not in charge of that game yesterday. Kilmarnock were. Derek McInnes refereed that game yesterday. And I'm pissed off about it. I mean, there's a bit. There's obviously t- the, the usual time wasting. You know, everyone was falling over with cramp and, like, you know, wanting treatment and, and all. You know, you, you expect that. But again, yeah, all right. So the referees do take a pretty strong, <clears throat> a strong sort of stance against it. But, you know, obviously by that point, he'd given up or, you know, couldn't be bothered or whatever. But, it's Scottish officialdom. I mean, this is just what we get, isn't it? Like, you know, it's it's just average, and you know, it's and the thing is that we, you know, in fairness, we do try and call this out when we've won as well. So like, we're not being bitter here or complaining. We made it very clear we do, that yeah. Celtic, were, right. Celtic were the the architect architects of their own demise yesterday, well and truly. But you know, it just adds into insult to injury, I guess, when you get sort of decisions like that against you. Um, but I guess well, we did. We did so I just said we did say we got one in the first game against Ross County when we both we all thought that was probably a penalty against your hearts. So, but um, then Aberdeen game last week we were calling it. You know, like should have had one last week. Two, what's going to happen? Our, what's going to happen in our transfer window, guys? Because I didn't like the look of that bench yesterday, and I know we're in a wee bit of a mire with injuries. So mm-hmm. we've got no Carter Vickers, we've got no AJ. So there's two of your starting uh, defenders. We've got no Hitate, so that's one of your starting midfielders. Um, O's out, so that he's your he's your forward off the bench, so he's out at the moment. Tilio obviously hasn't even kicked the ball yet, so again we're down a winger there. So what do we do? How are we going to overcome this? Because you know we're going to dip into loans to maybe loan a striker for six months till we you, O gets himself back up to speed. How are we going to tackle this? Because, you know, he, in fairness to Brian Rogers, all right, the team didn't play very well and I don't know, weren't playing the game plan or whatever you want to say, but it's very hard to change it when you haven't got anyone to bring on to change it because, you know, Hastabanovich flatters to deceive, I think. I think Yang's probably the one, not shining light, but he gave a lot of energy when he came on. He was trying to beat players, he was trying to be productive and i think you know maybe he's potentially played himself into a start maybe maybe next time out um but apart from that who else who are we expecting on that bench to come on and make an impact so what are we gonna what are we gonna do about it <laughs> what is gonna happen in the next 10 days because obviously half of celtic twitter is in meltdown at the moment over the lack of signings and you know it doesn't sound like there's not a lot of rumors or paper talk or anything saying we're, we're imminently signing this player or that player. So what do you think? With that, look, there has to be movement, right? I watched both or th- two of the post-match interviews with Rogers, one on Celtic TV, one on Viaplay. They're much of a muchness, but 
he used the word not enough quality multiple times across the two interviews. Um, fair enough. He's he's needed time to look at what he's got. But there's a double-edged sword here that we are now out of one of the three domestic tournaments before we're in barely out of the middle of August. So we're sitting on a massive pot of cash. Debatable, you know, it's a, I'm sure it's not 100 million, which I keep seeing on Twitter, but there's there's no shortage of cash in the bank. Um, and then we've talked about this, not us three, not really panicking about it. There's a difference between not panicking and then you get a few injuries and you can barely fill the team that, well, you can't feel a team that can beat Kilmarnock away. So that's a worry. Uh, and Rogers is making like, <laughs> the commentary from him, comparative to when he was unveiled, seems to be night and day. You know, he was talking about, you know, we want to progress in Europe. That's what I'm here to do. That made sense, right? We, he's done it all before domestically. Why come back if you don't want it? And yet we've seen nothing. I think we can happily say now that we've got a bunch of injuries. We're miles off last season's team um, for personnel. We're, we are definitely weaker at, right at this moment than we were last year by some distance. And part of that is injuries and part of that is players left and the ones that have come in yet aren't ready-made 100% first-team players. There's a few there that are are probably that's achievable, but you do, this, the, it's not like a tatty walked in on day one and you went, oh my God, he's a player. Like he's he's a player and he's a first team player right from the off. None of them we've seen that. Um, Navarovsky looks like he's looks like he's able to to slot in for Starfelt, but he's he doesn't look to be as phys- you know as physically strong and and you know a, a box defender like like Starfelt was. He looks probably better on the on the ground, but without CCV next to him and a couple of you know ropey fullbacks. We've got issues. Like I'm sure that some of the players aren't too far away, but even if they're not too far away, they're not much fit, right? They've been injured for quite a few weeks. I think we need to go and spend a decent amount of cash on at least two first-team-ready players, goalkeeper, left-back, and probably one other, but that potentially could be a loan, or one of those two could be a loan. I've got nothing to get. Like at the beginning of the window, I was like, "Let's not really do loans." But given where we are now and the way that medical rooms looking, you know, there's there's probably a case for a loan or two. Now, if you can get a a decent loan or two with options to buy, perfect. But if it has to be a loan just for the sake of it, you know, it's a sticking plaster for six months till January or even twelve months. So be it. I I don't think we can. We can't leave the window without reinforcements in the door and and reinforcements that are better than some of the players we saw on the show last night. Hmm. Uh, Kieran Tierney or bust for me. Um, but to if be honest, we get him. I, if we oh, can get him. Whatever we need to do, mate, uh, like give him his image rights, whatever we did with Larson. But I honestly don't even know where you go after that because there's just like, all the middle markets just gone nuts at the moment with, with all the Saudi cash and with the English still doing what the English are doing and there's just a lot more going around at the moment so we're just that Fabian give the Saudi, Reader, give Saudi, Saudi the 25 mil back and we'll have Jota back yeah I don't know maybe like maybe maybe we do that maybe like maybe they've only paid five and we just say look just scrub the rest and we'll take them back I don't know but like we are just not in that Fabian Reader market we're in the Marco Tellio market we're in the the Yang market and it's there needs I to be, there needs to be a split right so they're talking about Reader as a 15 million pound player we should we we spent six on Jota, six on CCV. I understand that six is quite a lot of cash for us per player, and it's still a gamble at that amount, right? But they were you both know? they were both loan signings as well. Well, they were like, and and look, that's ideal, right? Try before you buy. But we're now at this stage. We used, as you said, the market has sort of moved a bit. Six mil is going to be a gamble. Six mil, like one mil is not a gamble. Well, one mil is just you know, it's a lottery ticket. One mil is a lottery wasn't- ticket. And with Hatai, it was those two because we had them on loan. That's the thing, right? No, I I agree, but at the minute, like not every team's going to want to lend you a player and give you an option to buy. Do you know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, that's that's the seller's prerogative if they're happy to do that. But we might have to take a six or seven or eight million quid punt, and it will be a punt. Like 
you know, like I say, a one and two million pound player these days is a lottery ticket. And with Hatati, we won the lottery, right? We we picked up him for a million quid, and he's been. We see every time he's not playing, you see how big a loss he is. But you you know, you get one of them every so often. You you know, you you want to watch, as my old man used to say. I don't, I don't see that we can continue to be shopping at one and two mil and hope that each one is even a fraction of the type of player that Hatati is. So given there's money in the bank, given it's the last 10 days, we've got to go and spend some money. I assumed that what we were going to do anyway. I assumed that we'd done the easy part of our transfer business already because that wasn't a hugely competitive market. We were shopping in markets where people, you know, less people were using, more of a gamble. We'll take that risk. Others won't. And then I figured that the bigger bucks were going to get spent now in the last two weeks of the window where there's loads of moving parts. These these type of players are going to be more in demand. They're going to have options. Let's be honest, we're probably not the first option. You look at a game pitch like that, who wants to play on that, you know, two or three times a year? You don't. And there's another one in the league. So we're not going to be many players at that level's first pick. But if something else doesn't fall for them, Maybe we maybe we get a player that we might otherwise not secure, but that's why it's going to go. To, in my view, that's why it's going to go to the wire. And yeah, there's lots of complaints on Twitter going, "Oh, if we've got money to spend, just go out and spend it and get a great player." It's not how it works, right? You know, well, you I mean, either... we got well, I would say we got CCV in the last day of the window, mm. and Jota, it, yeah, and Jakimakis. All three of them we, came in the last day of the window. But we 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 forced the issue and said we want a loan to buy, and they were mm. like, "Oh," and they managed to get across the line. And I mean, imagine how different it would have been had that deal not gone through in the last day. So, I mean, like, I, you're right, Paul. I think these sort of players, higher demand, but then also English Premier League clubs are looking at their books going, we can do without X, Y, and Z. And then they might only become available in the last week of the window because they've made the decision that actually we don't need these guys for the next 12 months. So let's put them out to loan and let's see who's interested. But we asked them the week before. <laughs> We've asked them the week before. They they wouldn't have said they were available. So I think you're right. I think there is a lot. A lot is hopefully going to happen in the last in the last week. But I don't think that's necessarily Celtic's fault per se. I think that's just the market in general when you're going for that sort of, you know, for one of a better term, English Premier League quality player, but just maybe on the fringes or needs a bit more development. Um, but we, yeah, we definitely need bodies and we need, like you say, they have to be first team ready because we cannot afford to be going to Champions League football with the bench that we had yesterday. It's just, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be a world of To think that we might go to a Champions League game with the same squad that we went to come on it with, that's, it doesn't bear thinking about. So you've yeah, got, got to get bodies. And the, and the other problem you've got, Paul, as well, just sorry to interrupt you again there, is that you talk about there was eight players yesterday who were part of the treble winning team last season. But when Greg Taylor's below par and Callum McGregor, in fairness, has been below par, all of a sudden, you know, you, all right, you, you've no Atati, no CCV, Joss is gone. AJ's um, injured. AJ's injured, Sarfelt's left. So you say, all right, Narosti's, you know, yet to be determined, but looks like he he could be the the partner to CCV. So you've maybe filled one of those holes. And all right, AJ will come back and CCV will come back and Tati will come back. But at the moment, with those with Cal Mac and Greg Taylor being below par, half your team's, you know, you you I would say it's almost a new team, but um, a lot, of, a lot is resting on Kildo's shoulders at the moment, and for the love of God, if something happens to him, we are in so much trouble. It's not funny, and the way he's dropping deep, and those centre halves are just scything him on the halfway line. One of those is going to connect, and I would be so negative or pessimistic here, but we just do not have a replacement for him. He is like he is our irreplaceable centre forward at the moment, and. Uh, we desperately need another forward in the door just as some backup, just to take the pressure off him. If we are up 2-0, he's got to come off. He cannot be staying on there and playing 90 minutes. We've got to wrap him in cotton wool whenever we can. Mm. And yeah, that for me has become a, and that can be like maybe a 12-month loan or something just to cover the cover the spot while O's recovering. But we need, yeah, well, I think we need three or four players, to be honest. 
Um, oh yeah, like I think I think it's two or three first teamers like that you would want to buy and own, or at least loan to buy, and then maybe one or two loans. You're right. So it's it's between three and five probably, and and you you'd want some of them could be backup like a backup striker, but you need at least three first teamers. The the problem is so the loan ones we've had in the past it's helped us so like CCV Jota. Uh, Odson Edward, all ones that were loaned to buy, they were great success. We all paid six to nine million for all of them. Then you have the other ones where you dodge the bullet, like Charlie Misonda, uh, Ollie Burke, uh, that sort of player. Uh, Timo Weir, I actually think would have been a good one if we'd gotten yeah. through the door, but that that was kind of that's the kind of market you want to get the loan to buy. But then you look at the other side of it, the players that we gambled on and signed, you know, like Boyata and Cham, Frimpong, they were all ones that, uh, just did great, but I feel like that market's gone now. When you look at what Man City did this summer, they sold was it five or six players for like collectively like a hundred up to a hundred million pounds or something. They'd played less than 90 minutes of football between them. Carlos Borges went to Ajax, the one that we were linked with. He went to Ajax for 14 million euros, not played a first team game for Man City. So like 14 million euros. That's well, we're almost out, we're out of that in Cham Frimpon market now. You you shared it. They, they spent one million quid on a fourteen year old boy. Paul. Yeah, it was Sorry, yeah. Paul. Yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> we're, we're just like another. And then you hear obviously um, the talk that um, Rocco Vass is probably going going to be away, and he's playing with the reserves. I mean, like he could have been on the bench yesterday, but obviously they must know that he's imminently leaving. So Rogers has went well. You know, getting a first team spot if you're not going to be here, but mm. it's just um, it's incredibly frustrating. But you know, with money like that getting thrown around, you can almost understand how and why. Well, yeah, Hatati for the same money as a 14 year old kid. <laughs> it's just after yeah. it. But that's what you're up against. But yeah, like oh, look, I think we're, it's it's naturally it's been a pretty downbeat pod, but uh, you know. Kalbach actually said in his Celtic TV interview, this is a crossroads. Third game of the season, a crossroads. But I kind of take the point. If we if we go out next weekend, put out a performance, and look, at, it couldn't be a better fixture, right? St. Johnston are about as bad as it gets. So St. Johnston at home, if we don't, you know, that could be a real confidence booster ahead of going to, to Ibrox the week after. We've got to go out and put a performance in there. Hopefully there's a body or two in the door before then maybe they don't play but at least it just gives the place a lift and you know some sight that there's things happening in the background and look the, the good news is if it's good news you know other people i've seen other people talking about you know do we do we prioritize a treble this year now i still wanted the treble i'm greedy i, I said on i was guessing on another podcast i said i'm greedy i want I want to win a treble every year. Why not? Like we got you, you know, it sets the tone as well. The first trophy of the year, it sets the tone. But would you prefer to lose that or drop three points? I don't know. I'd prefer to lose the cups. Uh, but that, yeah, here's here's the. I was thinking about it quite a lot, obviously today. And the one positive that I managed to draw out of it, and I'm I'm probably going to go on a rant again before we finish about something else. But the one positive I managed to draw out of it is if the the Huns go through uh, against Levinson, which I'm sure they will, because you know they they always get a home draw in the cup, right? Then they're going to have a semi final and potentially a final, which are weekend fixtures, which gives us a chance to put some points on the boards and get a game or two uh, in hand against them ahead of them. Which gives a psychological edge. That's the only thing I can think of. The only positive, really. Well, the other positive is that they were absolutely rubbish against Morton. I mean, they did rely on a dodgy penalty. Yeah, but they that's, that's not a positive from our loss. Well, I know, but like, yeah. you know, they're not exactly they're not exactly firing all thrusters either. Like, yeah. you, know, you talk about gambles on one million pound players. Like, you know, out of all the players they've signed, yeah, maybe that. That I don't, uh, yeah, so it'll be time will tell but you know you when you're shopping in that market not all those players are going to make it or you know be make significant impacts so you know they've got a lot of bodies there but i don't think he knows he's best to live in so um you know it's not like they've hit the ground running in the sense that like they're absolutely flying and we've got a mountain to climb at ibrox yeah it's not a hard game it's always a hard game there but you know i think i still much rather be us than them um and we've had one bad game um and like you say yeah, you know, game against St. Johnston, ideal at home to turn it around and get back to playing a faster, 
you know. And I think the thing for me I want to see this weekend coming is a faster start. We've got to start games better. That's probably been my biggest criticism of Rogers' ear so far is that we are starting games way too slow, way too passive. Um, so we've got to find a way to actually start a game and really, really dominate and get get on the front foot right from the get go and really impose ourselves because it's taking us 20, 25 minutes to get any games, and that's you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be in that situation as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. while we're talking about the weekend, they've got to go to Dingwall before we even play. So that's not going to be an easy fixture for them up there. Um, so we might have an opportunity to actually stretch our lead. So we're to, we're all doom and gloom after going out of the cup, but we could be we could be staring down the barrel of an even bigger gap or the opportunity to create a bigger gap. Um, you know, on the weekend, so that. That would really take the pressure, you know. That would take the pressure off going to Ibrox if that happened. You know, we could we could potentially lose that game. Not that you expect or want to, but you could potentially lose that game, and it would still be ahead. Um, I didn't get to, I didn't get any suggestions on social media for this, but I did. I did pick up on one potential cinch moment of the week. Uh, even though it was uh, the cup weekend, was um, the Morton manager heading over to the, the, the Sevco dugout to check replay on their iPad because he didn't have any technology in his own one. So that, that was quite interesting. Uh, did you guys catch any anything else? Any other candidates? Nothing. Not this weekend. No, I was Not I literally week. got the Celtic game and that was that was it. Cool. Yeah, quiet one. Uh, we'll we'll circle back to the, the Celtic game then. So any any final thoughts we've not covered yet before we do our man in a match around the boards, Paul? Uh no, look, it's a bit more than a bad day at the office. I think um, let's hope it was, you know, like I said, that perfect storm. And, you know, if it gives it, if there's one potential positive I can see, it might give everybody a boot up the arse that, that, you know, you can't just rock up and expect to expect to win games. And hopefully there's a decent amount of work on the training pitch this week. And they've, you know, they've, they're bang up for it on the weekend and we go again. But mm. yeah. Not, not, not a huge amount more to say, to be honest. Anthony, yeah, I think I've said everything that I want to say, to be honest. So it's a very, you know, usually there's more. We always forget things. There's more, more to say when we go off, and I'm sure there probably will be when we go off. But um, no, like I said, I think we've we've covered it fairly well, and, and we've sort of addressed all the the various issues. Um, so yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty satisfied that we've <laughs> we've done our job tonight. I've got one more thing to say, and that's that um when when you watch that game at Rugby Park at the weekend, this is what this is what Scottish football is. And and we love the we love to make fun of it in a kind of you know a masochistic kind of way. Uh but at the same time, this is a limiting factor on what we can achieve as a football club. Uh, you've got Sevco, Hearts and Hibs all coming out and pissing and moaning about not getting their fixtures postponed ahead of Europe. Uh, well, and they're like saying, well, PSV get it. Okay. PSV, if they get to the cup final, play 40 domestic games in a season. If we get to two cup finals, then we play 48. So uh, where are you going to put those extra eight fixtures? PSV have got a lot of free time in their calendar, so shut up. Uh, if Dutch football has also banned plastic pitches, whereas we positively encourage Kamarnock to do whatever the hell they want with their surface. What was that? There was a picture going around of them with had a Henry the Hoover on the pitch, <laughs> so, sucking up the. There's your sinch, there's your cinch moment, John. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, the only reason I didn't chuck it out was because I wasn't even sure it was this week that it happened. Yeah, but yeah that sort of, you know, and then Aberdeen leaving the grass long, players rugby tackling Joe Hart and stuff like that, and that. This is what Scottish football is. And if we want to raise Scottish football, then we need to cut this crap out. We need to change from a 12 team to a 16 team. We need to stop teams playing anti-football. We need to get rid of plastic pitches. We need to reduce the domestic uh, burden in terms of match fixtures. Uh, And as long as none of that changes, as long as we still have rules like, uh, what is it, reasonable amount of tickets for away allocation, as long as we continue to act like the clowns, we're going to continue to be the clowns and we're not going to be able to rise above this station. Rant over. Anyway, uh, who's your man in the match at the weekend, Paul? Slim pickings, wasn't it? Um, Yang. Yang? Oh, interesting. 
Well, anyone that was on for any longer didn't cover themselves in glory. So I thought he actually showed a bit of a spark. Um, He was unlucky not to get a goal. And um, pretty much every time he got the ball, something something positive happened. So, yeah, I'll give it to him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Yang as well, because I I was going to say Narofsky as an honourable mention, because I don't think he actually did anything wrong uh, per se. But, yeah, it was was a really tough... Yeah, I'll say Yang because he 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 did give us that impetus for that last twenty minutes when he came on, or twenty five minutes, whatever it was. So, um, so yeah, so Yang, and hopefully it's the start this week. I mean, Matro is actually inspired by you, Paul, uh, not in the sense that. Uh, so obviously, we talked about how Lagerbielk was just kind of yeeting the ball up the pitch, but I thought he was one of the players that had the most uh, was more stuck for the physical battle than any other player in the pitch, and he was really resolute and, and he showed quite a lot in that his debut. So I was impressed with him in that sense, even though he clearly doesn't have the game plan in his head. So I, I gave Lagerbjelk my vote for that. But yeah, Yang was, Yang did look good when he came on. So I do agree with that in that sense. Cool. So two to one, but as you said, slim pickings. Uh, Paul, uh, any final thoughts? Any sign-offs? Yeah, um, no actual music recommendation this week because i've i'll be honest I haven't, I haven't been listening to anything new i've been listening to some classic stuff um but i should have mentioned this last week actually because uh, a couple of music musical legends passed away uh within i think about 24 hours of each other uh robbie robertson of the band um uh who obviously started with bob dylan and then obviously went on to forge a really good career themselves um did soundtracks and all sorts of other bits and pieces he died on the 9th of august at 80 years old uh, and Rodriguez who was the guy from the Searching for Sugarman doc- doco if you've seen that Searching for Sugarman uh, he was a guy who basically went missing really and then he was he was sort of he made it big in South Af- South Africa and he had this whole renaissance career so he had he had two albums in the late 60s or early 70s um, they did nothing at the time he disappeared nobody knew who he was and then South African radio started playing him and he had this whole sort of boost. And then there's a documentary called Searching for Sugar Man, which if you haven't seen it, that's probably my recommendation. Go check that out. But unfortunately, he passed away on the 8th of August. So the day, the day between mm-hmm. each of them, he was 81. So two uh, two classic uh, uh, kind of rock and roll stars from the 60s and 70s. So they're my, uh, they're my little RIPs and um, Searching for Sugar Man. If you haven't seen that doc, go check it out. I've not seen it, but I'm aware of it. So, yeah, I mean, actually- it's really good. I, I actually, I'm. It's one of those that I wanted, to, meant to watch for years, and never quite got around to it. And I watched it mm. a few years ago now, but it was long after it came out, and it was, yeah, it's really good. Anthony, I've actually got an audio book recommendation. So, Gunther Steiner, who's the uh, team principal for Haas Formula One, uh, released his book. Uh, surviving to drive um, he narrates it himself we listened to it driving down to Margaret River last weekend hilarious just he's in a thoughts and just what he thinks of everything it's just it's a really really fun listen I don't think reading it would be quite the same actually him having him narrate it is actually a stroke of genius so um, if you're into your Formula One or you know who he is or you've watched Drive to Survive on Netflix you'll know who he is he's a standout character as it were um it's just it's it's well worth a listen it's quite quite insightful falls a year in the Haas Formula One which is never not eventful basically mm-hmm. sounds good um I just finished reading the latest Irvin Welsh book The Long Knives I don't know if you guys are into Irvin Welsh he's obviously got this really unique style of writing where he, he doesn't put uh the speech into speech marks or given new lines it's just like runs like seamlessly into the narration, uh, which I can enjoy, but uh, it's, it's you know it's an acquired taste in that sense. Um, but yeah, the is, long nights. Nice. Is it Sorry? a link to any like? Is it part of any of the other universes created? Is it any other characters? It's in, it's in the same universe, but there's very little overlap with the, the other characters. There's there's like a couple of passing mentions, but it's it's kind of right. unique in that sense. Uh, the, like oh, Begley yeah, does get a mention, and uh, there's another one that I forget now. But yeah, they're just kind of mentioned in passing. I'm big fan, big fan of Welshie, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll check that out. Although my reading's been pretty pretty poor of late. I've, mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I got through about I don't know a ton of books in a year, across a year, maybe thirty books in a year, and I've I'm lucky if I get through one or two. 
You're a married man, no, Paul. You haven't got time for these things. It's not that. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, it's just had to... I only really read books on holiday these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a time issue, isn't it, right? You need to get a bit of momentum with a book, particularly if you've got yeah. it out of the library. So yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's an easy enough read as well, as long as you've got a strong stomach, as you can imagine from any Irvin Welsh book. Uh, apart from that, that's all. Can you please like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, check us out on all these social networks plus threads if you haven't already, and uh, thanks again for listening. Take it easy, all, and I'll see you next week. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.